This will be the sixth season that the Sacramento Kings are rolling out Harrison Barnes as their starting three. And the fact that we can comfortably call him the fifth option for the Kings in that starting lineup just shows how much this Kings team has improved. But what does a good season look like for Harrison Barnes with the Kings this year? We'll break that down right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On King. Hello and welcome to Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all offseason long. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On now to get started. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports anchor and reporter for ABC 10 News here in the California capital. And Harrison Barnes, the decision around Harrison Barnes was probably the biggest decision and the biggest talking point, if you want to say biggest, I guess, controversy, even though it was a mild controversy here in Sacramento. Like the the, the major point of conversation uh, of the offseason or one of the major storylines this offseason was what do the Kings do with Harrison Barnes? Do they bring him back? Do they let him walk? Do they try and improve that spot? Do they need to improve that spot uh, in order to get to where they want to go? Can they find an improvement without breaking the bank? And while some of those questions we got answered to, especially the the breaking the bank part, uh, the fact that the Kings got Harrison Barnes on a significantly more affordable deal than other guys like Kyle Kuzma and, and, and Jeremy Grant got for their respective teams. There are still other questions that we're going to need the context of this season, maybe another playoff series, maybe another couple of seasons to answer. What we know is going into training camp, going into next season, Harrison Barnes is still a member of the Sacramento Kings. He and De'Aaron Fox are the two senior members of the Kings, not in terms of age, but in terms of years actually with the team. And Harrison Barnes, in my opinion, is still firmly a starter here in Sacramento. Now, that's not a position that he's absolutely guaranteed to hold on to no matter how well he plays. Because he could, in theory, be booted out for someone like Asasha Vazenkov, assuming Keegan Murray is capable of moving up to the three. Like, that is something that could happen. And in fact, later on in this podcast, I'm going to talk a little bit about like what Sasha Vazenkov has to do and what has to happen for Vizenkov to replace Harrison as a starter. But I don't think that's very likely at all. I think as long as Harrison Barnes is here in Sacramento, at least for this season, he is going to be the starting five. Or rather, he is going to be in the starting five. And he is going to be the fifth option in that starting five, which I think if you can, if you can go into a season and claim that a player to Harrison Barnes caliber, yes, Harrison Barnes is familiar to Sacramento Kings fans, which maybe so many of us have gotten used to what Harrison does or at times doesn't do that we maybe turn a blind eye at times to the things that he he does do well or we're just used to it so it's not as exciting as it was when the Kings first acquired him. Yes, he struggled in the playoffs against the Golden State Warriors and certainly has had a reputation of struggling in the playoffs when he was with the Golden State Warriors. There, We know the, the talking points kind of around Harrison Barnes and questions as to why 
uh, or, or if the Kings should be looking at him as a, a long-term piece to an eventual championship team. Yes, that exists. But ultimately, Harrison is absolutely a starter, in my opinion. And the fact that the Kings can go into this season saying that a player of that caliber is their fifth option in that starting five. And if you're we're taking the starting five out of it and we're just talking about scoring option, you might move Harrison Barnes all the way down to six or seven with guys like Malik Monk and maybe even Sasha Vazenkov coming in off the bench. Like Harrison is not required to be the kind of player that he was with the Dallas Mavericks or even the kind of player that he was with the Golden State Warriors at times. At this point in his career, he can still be a very important and impactful player without having the ball in his hands a lot, without the Kings running a lot through him. Although I still do think there will be times and there need to be times that the Kings can lean on Harrison because whether it's been on the offensive end of the ball or just through sheer availability, Harrison has been very reliable for the Kings in a lot of cases throughout his time here in Sacramento. But today's podcast is discussing what a good season looks like for HB. And I feel like, and I'm guilty of this too, I feel like we're already kind of writing HB off, right? When I talk about the core, I'm naming the other four starters, Malik Monk and Davion Mitchell at times before I'm talking about HB. Like, I, I think we're all guilty of that. And I think that's natural for uh, for a team going in the direction that the Sacramento Kings are going on with with the majority of the team being on kind of the same timeline in terms of age, that that mid to getting into upper 20s, and Harrison is now in his 30s. Like, there's a, there's a natural separation there. But I have zero concern at all with Harrison's drop-off because of his age. Like, I don't think that's a storyline. I don't think that's worth talking about at all. And in fact, I don't think we're talking about Harrison Barnes enough, truth be told. Hence the reason why I'm dedicating this episode, because... Harrison can still very much be an impactful player for the Sacramento Kings, absolutely can help and will help the Sacramento Kings continue to win basketball games. And a good season for Harrison is not going to be asking a lot more or too much more period of what he provided for Sacramento last season, at least during the regular season. And also money has nothing to do with this conversation because at the $18 million per year, essentially, I know it's, it's, broken down differently with like, I, I can't remember if the contract is front loaded or back loaded regardless, like his, his contract breaks up to around $18 million per year as a starting four or starting three and a player, the caliber of Harrison, like that's a very affordable deal. So there shouldn't really be any point unless Harrison is absolutely dreadful, which will not happen. There shouldn't be any point where the, we're going, the Kings are paying this guy 18 million a year. He needs to be doing this. He needs to be doing that. He needs to be doing more. How are the Kings giving so much money to this guy? Harrison Barnes is incredibly affordable. The Kings got Barnes on a really team-friendly deal, in my opinion. So what does a good season look like for Harrison Barnes? Well, first, let's look at what HB did last season. He averaged 15 points per game, shot 47% from the field, 37% from three-point range, 84% from the free throw line. He averaged four and a half rebounds, 1.6 assists, played 32 and a half minutes per game. And here is the biggest number of them all. Harrison Barnes played in all 82 regular season games and all seven playoff games. Availability was the best ability of Harrison Barnes last season. So what do the Kings need this season from HB? Well, going off of what he did last season, the availability you want on the same level. Now, it's tough to ask anybody, whether you're in your 30s, you're just breaking into the league, or you're in your absolute athletic prime, it's hard to ask anybody to play every single game. 
So the expectation should absolutely not be Harrison's going to play every single game. It shouldn't be. If he can do it again, great. But the Kings are bringing Harrison Barnes back, are paying Harrison Barnes the money that they're paying him because he is reliable. He's reliable both in terms of they know he's going to be on the floor and he's going to stay healthy for the most part, and he's reliable and he can perform his role to the ability that the Sacramento Kings expect and can even at times go above that expectation to deliver big games and help this Kings team when maybe other players are underperforming. It all starts with availability for Harrison Barnes. If you can get another 70-plus games from HB as your starting three and get the vast majority, if not all of the playoff games, Harrison Barnes is still out there. That's that's the number one thing that you could ask for from Harrison. He takes great care of his body. He's in excellent shape. He eats right. We know the impact that he has off the floor on this locker room and with this team. But availability is the number one thing, and I think Harrison is capable of of remaining healthy. If he can, again, if he can play every single game again, like I bow to you, sir. Fair play to you. Um, he doesn't need to do that though for it to be classified as a good season. But the Kings need him for for seventy plus games to to be available. I expect Harrison's scoring to drop. He averaged fifteen points per game last season. I think that number is going to go down. He averaged a little over 16 points the season before. I think that trend is going to continue, and that's not a bad thing. Like, people might look at the box score at the end of the season and see a one- to two-point drop-off for Harrison Barnes this season, which I think is going to happen, and go, see, he's regressing. But in reality, as the fifth option on offense, with so many other offensive weapons around him, there's only one basketball to go around. De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis are still going to get a boatload of touches. You still want Kevin Herter to get a lot of good looks from the perimeter. And Keegan Murray's expected to make a jump as a scorer and be someone who you're going to run through, run your offense through more this season than, than you did last year. Like, there's only so many touches to go around. Unless the Sacramento Kings somehow find a way to invent more ways to shoot the basketball or just decide, you know, the shot clock is too long, we're going to shoot every 10 seconds, then I don't see any way that Harrison Barnes gets enough touches as the fifth option offensively to average 15 points per game again or more unless his shooting percentages are through the roof. His scoring will drop, but I can't, I I don't want to see his shooting percentages drop, right? If he stays the exact same as he was last year, 47% from the field, although you'd like to see that closer to 50, 37% from three-point range. If he sticks there, I'm okay with it. 84% from the free throw line, very reliable in that sense. If that stays the exact same and his scoring drops by one or two points per game because Keegan's is going up and maybe Kevin Herter's is staying the same at where it's at and Malik Monk is staying the same and Fox is going slightly up and Sabonis is the same or going slightly up. If Harrison drops down because of that, but his shooting percentages are the same and his volume is down, there is nothing at all wrong with that. That is great for Harrison. And speaking of which, he had 9.6 attempts per game last season. I expect that to drop. I expect that to be 7 to 8. There will be games where he shoots 9 plus times. There will be games when he's probably shooting 11, 12, 13 plus times. And we know that there are times when Harrison Barnes can get hot. And if Harrison is going to deliver you those occasional 20-point games and every once in a while flirt with a 30-point game, one, you should definitely be winning those games. Two, hopefully the Kings aren't relying on that and are just choosing to take advantage of that. Harrison is capable of giving that to you, but you don't need that to be successful the same way maybe you needed that from HB three seasons ago. His attempts will go down. His scoring will go down. The shooting percentage stays the same. 
that's good. That's a good season from Harrison Barnes. Assuming Harrison's minutes are the same. He's still playing like that 32 and a half minutes. Assuming he's still around that 32 minute mark, which is kind of typical for a starter. I need that rebound number to go up. I need everybody's rebound number to go up. The Kings need to get better as a rebounding team, period. That's not just on Sabonis. That's not just on a JaVale McGee or Trey Lyles if he's playing the five or whichever bigs are out there. Like Harrison, rebound the basketball. Keegan, rebound the basketball. Fox, Monk, Herter, Mitchell, rebound the basketball. Rebound as a team. Everybody's rebound numbers should be going up. That should be a demand of Mike Brown absolutely from the beginning this season because the Kings were killed by rebounding, especially in the playoffs, but multiple times over the course of last season. Harrison's rebounds from 4.5 to 5.5. I need a one rebound per game increase from HB. If your scoring's going down, that doesn't mean your rebounding has to. I don't expect his numbers to go up in terms of like assists. I don't expect his numbers to go up in terms of steals. Harrison Barnes has never really been a player, and fantasy fans know this, he's never really been a player to fill up a stat sheet. Asking for one more rebound a game when you're taking, when you're getting less opportunities as a shooter, as a scorer, that's not a big ask at all. And in fact, I think he's capable of doing more than that, and the Kings will probably need more than that at times. But... 5.5 rebounds a game should be a bare minimum expectation for your starting three, who's the fifth option on offense. Everybody should be rebounding more, especially Harrison Barnes. And then I do expect, with how good the Kings offense is, I do expect from Harrison the same overall offensive impact. You might not have known this. I actually didn't know this. Harrison had a 126.5 offensive rating last season. That was 15th in the entire NBA, a top 15 offensive rating. Now, we all know from watching Harrison Barnes that he is not the top piece in that Kings offense, but he was a firm piece of that offense, right? The amount of lineups that the Kings would throw out there, different combinations of lineups with Harrison Barnes at the center of it because he is such a Swiss army knife that is reliable that can do so many different things and can fit spacing the floor. You can put him in the post. You can have him attack the basket. He should be able to rebound better. You should be able to run the ball through him at times if you want. He's a smart basketball player. Harrison Barnes is going to be out there with different lineup combinations because he's a safe and reliable option for Mike Brown to go to. That's why his offensive rating was so high because he was almost always out there with the best lineups that the Kings were throwing out there and with the best offense statistically that the NBA has ever seen during the regular season. So I expect a similar level of offensive impact. Do I expect the exact same offensive reading or better, 126.5? No. But while Harrison is on the floor, he is positively impacting that elite Sacramento Kings offense, no matter who he is playing with. And then finally, or actually I got two more. In terms of defense, Harrison is looked at as one of the better defenders on this team. We know there are plenty of times where Harrison, just like multiple players, kind of fell asleep on the defensive end of the floor. What I'm looking for Harrison on the defensive end is obviously be a solid team defender, be reliable when you're guarding threes and fours. But I'm looking for Harrison Barnes to be kind of a captain and a leader on the defensive end of the floor. I know what kind of leadership he has in that locker room. I know he, how well-respected he is, not just by everybody on the Kings roster, not just by that entire coaching staff, but by almost every player in the league. Like when Harrison speaks, people listen. He is a leader. So... If the Kings are going to preach team defense and accountability on the defensive end of the floor, and I'm sure he already does this already, I need Harrison Barnes to be one of those leaders, both by example, Harrison, you can't be telling everybody to play good defense when you're not doing it, both by example and by like 
being vocal. That doesn't mean he's screaming and yelling at everybody, but if he's pulling guys aside or communicating to Keegan, hey, get out and close out there or you're missing your spot, you're missing your rotation, that's on you, that's on me. I want to see that from Harrison Barnes on the defensive end of the floor. And finally, the last thing that constitutes, in my opinion, a good season for Harrison Barnes this year is, of course, a noticeable impact in the playoffs. It could be hitting a big shot that he missed last playoffs. It could be one or two games where he breaks 20. It could be a really solid defensive performance or two, or it could just be being reliable and there and a presence that doesn't disappear. Like there were times in the playoffs that even though we knew 40 was on the floor for the Kings, because he's almost always on the floor for the Kings, he dis- we couldn't tell you what he did. Like there are, there are a few moments from the playoffs that I can think back and go, Oh yeah, Harrison Barnes did that. Like there was a couple dunks that he had. I think there was a dunk in either game one or game two where he let out a roar and like that was a positive moment. Of course, there's the missed shot in game four. But for the most part, Harrison, it's not that he necessarily disappeared. He just didn't do anything or impact the game enough for you to go, oh yeah, Harrison is out there. That doesn't mean he has to score a boatload of points. That doesn't mean he has to take over a game at any point. That doesn't even mean he has to hit a game winner but hit that open shot when it's given to you. Make that big play on the defensive end of the floor. Be impactful, be noticeable in the playoffs. That's all I've asked of of him. So more availability. Percentage is not dropping, even though scoring probably will. Rebounds above five and a half per game. Same overall offensive impact. Defensive leadership. And a noticeable impact in the playoffs. Those are the six things that I think constitute a good season for Harrison Barnes. Anything more than that, now we're getting into great territory considering we have realistic or we should have realistic expectations. What do you think of those? Am I asking too little? Am I asking too much? What are your expectations of Harrison? What do you think he needs to do for it to be a good season for him? Let me know. You can hit me up on Twitter at MattGeorgeSack. You can email me MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com and leave your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below. Like I said at the top of the show, today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed if you place a $5 bet. So you're new, you sign up, bet $5 on the the San Francisco 49ers to beat the New York Giants on Thursday night football this week. Whether you win or or you lose, you get $200 in bonus bets right then and there, absolutely guaranteed. And on top of that, like they have amazing uh, other deals and things that are going on all season long. Of course, you can check out uh, when the NBA season starts. FanDuel is a great place to bet on um, like game-by-game NBA games. If you want to bet on the Sacramento Kings this season, you can bet on like future bets and champions and NBA awards and things like that. FanDuel has it all. If you're thinking about joining FanDuel, there's really no better time than right now to get in on the action. Bet on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Kick off the NFL season right now and have some fun while you're doing it. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. I've had this conversation off the air and I know I've I've mentioned it time a, a time or two over the course of of the offseason on the air. Sasha Vazenkov becoming a starter with the Sacramento Kings. There are some of you that believe not only that it can happen, that it will happen. Fair play to you. I don't see it. I don't think it's going to happen as early as this season. Sasha, of course, could surprise me if he comes in and plays like a EuroLeague MVP right away in the NBA. Hey, maybe it could happen. And in fact, I'm going to break down for you and I'm going to share with you what I think needs to happen for Sasha Vizenkov to replace Harrison Barnes as a starter. 
that's the only feasible guy that he's replacing, right? Unless Keegan Murray is awful, which is not going to happen. Sasha's not replacing Keegan. So if Sasha's moving into the starting lineup, it's because the Kings can move Keegan Murray to the three and they're replacing Harrison Barnes at the four with Sasha. Like that's the only route. So what does Sasha have to do to become a starter? Well, he has to be an undeniable NBA talent. And what I mean by that is his, his game has to naturally translate to the NBA. A lot of aspects of it, I think, will. But even Sasha said himself in his introductory press conference in the, in the Kings practice facility a couple weeks ago, like even with how good he was in Europe and how talented the Euro scene is now in basketball, like the NBA is a different beast. The NBA is a different game. And he's going to have to learn that. But if he naturally translates that less than a year into his NBA career, obviously the Kings think he can because they're asking him to be an impactful piece on a team with high expectations. Sasha's not joining a bad basketball team anymore. It's not the same like when uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich came over and joined the team. The Kings sucked. They continued to suck. So Bogey could kind of take his time to figure it out. Now, Bogey, I thought, was very impactful as a rookie when he was able to stay healthy. I mean, you could say the same thing even about Nemanja, uh, Nemanja Bialica. Now, he spent time in the NBA before the Sacramento Kings, but when he came over to Sacramento, again, the Kings kind of sucked. They had higher expectations than how they ended up performing, but not nearly as high as what Sasha Vizenkov and the Kings have on themselves right now. And the Kings clearly believe that Sasha can be an impactful player to help this team win games. I think they believe he can do that as a rotational piece. To be a starter... It has to be undeniable that his game translates to the NBA. Like his three-point shooting has to make an immediate impact. He has to be a knockdown over 40% or towing the line of 40% three-point shooter with a high volume. And he has to be a natural fit. Now, I think he's going to be a really, really good fit with the Kings on the offensive end of the floor, but he has to naturally fit with different guys. The concern with Sasha Vizenkov is on the defensive end of the floor, right? There's concerns with a lot of Kings players on the defensive end, so Sasha's not alone in this. I do believe he's going to struggle defensively. That might be the hardest translation of his game to the NBA. It's just quicker, faster, more explosive game. And the the guys, the players that he's going to be guarding are probably going to be faster than him. So how does he handle that? If his defensive drop-off doesn't even come close to negating his offensive output, that's how he becomes a starter. Like, okay, defensively, he needs work. He's not that great, but he's so good on the offensive end of the floor that he's like, we got to play him. I mean, it's kind of the same way that maybe you look at Kevin Herter to some extent, or even Domantas Sabonis to some extent. Now, I think Domas is an overall underrated defender, but Domas is so good and so impactful on the offensive end and as a rebounder. Like, it doesn't matter what he does on defense, really. You have to have him out there. I also think winning over Fox and Sabonis specifically is a big step for Sasha to become a starter. And when I say win them over, I don't mean like they all of a sudden like him more than they like Harrison. I don't think that's going to happen. But what I mean by that is like, if he fits so well and so naturally with the two of them, like De'Aaron, it's like, the think about like a quarterback and wide receiver relationship, right? Wide receiver or quarterbacks develop their like top go-to targets that they can always go to in a jam, always go to in a pinch. If Sasha Vizenkov can become that guy, and I think De'Aaron might have multiple of these guys, and maybe Keegan becomes this guy, but if Sasha can become a, a guy where if De'Aaron is attacking the basket, he knows where Sasha is on the perimeter, and he relies on Sasha to hit that outside shot, that open three, when he's drawing a crowd and trying to deal with three guys who are crashing him 
uh, or, or crashing in on him or trying to smother him in the paint. If Sasha becomes that guy that De'Aaron's always kind of looking for out of the corner of his eye or just in his mind's eye, he knows, okay, Sasha's going to be in the corner. That's where I'm passing the ball to. And I trust that he's going to be there. If Sasha can become that for De'Aaron or if Sasha be- can become and develop the relationship on the floor with DeMontis Sabonis, very similar to like the Sabonis and Keegan or um, Kevin Hurdle relationship of last year, where Kevin clearly played his best basketball when he was running through and playing around and playing through Sabonis. If Sasha can become that guy while also becoming Mr. Reliable for De'Aaron and earn De'Aaron's trust, that's how Sasha becomes a, a, a starter. And then of course, like we talked about with Harrison, like we talked about with this tire team, rebounding. If Sasha can be the impactful offensive player that we believe he can be, fit with Fox and Sabonis the way that we think he can. Defensively, he's not so bad that it comes close to negating his offensive impact. And on top of that, he's a solid enough rebounder. As a starter, he's playing 32 minutes a game and grabbing seven plus rebounds a night. Yeah, that's that's where we're like, okay, this guy is potentially a starter. These are a lot of things to ask a player who's not only never played with this Kings team before, who's never played in the NBA before. That's why I don't think it's realistic to expect or to think that Sasha will become a starter this season. Barring injury, I don't think it should happen. Unless Harrison gets hurt, knock on wood, or Keegan Murray gets hurt, knock on wood. I don't think Sasha should really be looked at as a long-term starting center this year. He could surprise me, the things that I just said and wrote down here could happen. He could be undeniable. But my expectations are not that. My expectations are a really solid rotational impact role player that potentially has starting caliber ability. The fact that we can say that already from a player who is joining the Sacramento Kings, who the Kings acquired for a second round pick in the Keegan Murray draft. Another feather in the cap of Monty McNair, if you ask me. If... Unless the Kings are absolutely dreadful out of the gate and need a change, which again, I don't think is going to happen. If the Kings make this move, I think the earliest they would they they should consider replacing Harrison Barnes in the starting lineup with Sasha Vizenkov is around the trade deadline. Because at that point, you're probably shopping HB at the trade deadline. That's the earliest. If it happens this season, that's the earliest that I think it should happen. I previewed this a little bit on Saturday's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast, but I haven't talked a lot about Jordan Ford yet. He got a two-way contract. He got that last two-way spot for the Sacramento Kings. I called that shot months ago. I thought it should be the move. It's the absolute right move for the Kings. Haven't talked about it a lot, though, because I'm intentionally waiting for tomorrow's episode of Locked on Kings. I'm going to share my thoughts on on Jordan getting that two-way contract, what I think Jordan can be for the Sacramento Kings, and then tomorrow for both Locked on Kings and ABC 10 News, I'm going to Folsom High School, Jordan's alma mater here, just about 20 minutes north of Sacramento. I'm going to Folsom. I'm sitting down with Folsom basketball head coach, Mike Wall. I'm going to sit down with him in the Folsom gym. I'm going to interview him. I'm going to talk to him about Jordan, get his thoughts on Jordan, uh, getting that first NBA contract, how he can impact the Sacramento Kings, the kind of player that he was in high school. So I will have on tomorrow's Locked on Kings podcast, assuming nothing goes wrong and scheduling doesn't fall through, I will have my thoughts and my breakdown of Jordan get that two-way contract and my expectations from him. And then I will have an exclusive sit-down interview with his high school head coach from Folsom High here in Sacramento. So I hope you will come and join me for that. I'm very much looking forward to that. Plus, I have more great uh, interviews, 
podcasts, guests coming this week. I'm fired up, man. We are one week closer to the start of the season. We got media day coming up in a couple of weeks, October 2nd, I believe is media day. And I'll have great content from that. We'll talk to pretty much every single player. We'll talk to coach Mike Brown, maybe some of the other members of the coaching staff. Media day is always a lot of fun, although I'm sure it's a circus for the players. Poor guys have to go through that. Um, and then we get into training camp. Then we get into preseason. Like it's coming. It's like a snowball rolling down a hill. Right now, it's still just a little bit of a snowball, but pretty soon it's going to turn into an avalanche of this Kings season. And you best believe the rest of the NBA is going to get swept up by the avalanche that is the Sacramento Kings in 2023-2024. I'm fired up. I'm glad you're with me. Thank you for tuning in. Can't wait to have you join me on the next episode of Locked on Kings. Until then, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to the Locked on Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.